This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 452 with Jocelyn Kopak. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 452. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Jocelyn Kopak is an educator, a speaker, a podcaster, and an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, I should say. At age seven, Jocelyn started her first business. And from there on, she was running and growing businesses that would be a huge part of her future. Her ingenuity and positive attitude represent true leadership. Although she attributes a lot of her success to the power of abundance, paying it forward, and a great cup of coffee. Those who have the chance to work with her and learn from her and hear her story say that she is nothing but real, offering unfettered advice and tons of encouragement. A teacher at heart, Jocelyn loves helping businesses grow and companies grow by facilitating hard talks about diversity, equity, race, and inclusion. Her approach to diversity and inclusion work is one of love and education. We all have biases that we need to work on to be sure we're providing a safe and productive anti-racist space in all the spaces that we occupy. So I want to let you know, I listened to Jocelyn speak to a group, an online group of moms a few weeks ago, and just found her to be really, really helpful. She answered a ton of questions that had been lingering in my mind for a long time. And while she was in the middle of presenting, I got on her website and sent her a message and I said, hey, will you come talk to my people? Can I hire you? So I was able to hire her to come over and talk to us. She is a diversity, equity, and inclusivity coach. 
And while she was in the middle of her presentation in this Facebook group, I went onto her website and I found where it was like, hire me to come give a talk to your group. And I was filled out the form. I was like, yes, can I please hire you? Her work is really amazing. Obviously really important right now. I mean, always really important, but just extremely crucial right now at this moment in time. And so Jocelyn and I have been communicating over the last couple of weeks and it's been just great to see all the work that she's doing and her commitment to creating more supportive places, workplaces, communities, groups online, all the things in terms of her work as a DEI consultant. So DEI means diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant and educator. And she's going to talk about what that work means today. She's going to talk about how you can bring more pieces of this work and desire to be more, you know, bring diversity and inclusion into your circles, social circles, work circles, all areas of your life to the forefront and really prioritize it. Jocelyn is extremely generous in her education. She is fun in this conversation. And I was actually, when she was like, we're going to have fun today. And I was like, great. (laughs) I wasn't going into this thinking it was going to be fun. I was like ready to buckle down and get serious. She's like, no, no, no. Like, let's go ahead and have some fun with this too. So I know that you're going to learn a lot from Jocelyn. I also want you, if this conversation stands out to you and you learn things and you want her to come speak to your groups, please do reach out and connect with her. She has multiple ways that she that you can support her business in terms of asking her to come speak to your groups or in terms of joining one of her upcoming programs. So she has a mastermind coming up where she's working with business owners. I'm going to be working with her in that program around really specifically dialing in your DEI statements and all the ways that you really want to stand in your ethics in the most powerful and authentic way possible. So lots of good stuff coming up. So here's what you're going to hear from Jocelyn today. She's going to be sharing how she's navigating being a DEI educator and living as a black woman during this cultural revolution. She's going to share the definition and the role of a DEI educator. She's going to talk about the important distinction between diversity and inclusion and the important distinction between equality and equity. I think these are going to be eye-opening for some of you. She's going to share her four steps to becoming a better ally. She's going to give the definition of racism as it relates to your unchecked bias. She will talk about how white progressive women are doing harm while we think we are being really great allies. She's going to talk about how you can support BIPOC coworkers. So that stands for Black, Indigenous, People of Color coworkers and community members right now. She'll share the danger of trying to race through a checklist of anti-racism resources rather than sitting in the discomfort of listening and internalizing. She's going to talk about what the long-term necessarily uncomfortable process of commitment, stamina, growth, and change around anti-racism work actually looks like. And she's going to share the importance of acknowledging each person's world perspective as individual and unique. This episode is jam-packed with information. So get a pen and paper ready. You're probably going to want to listen more than once. And with all that, I'm so excited and honored and truly grateful to be able to introduce you to my friend, Jocelyn Kopak. Jocelyn Kopak, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. This is going to be so much fun. I know it is. And I love that you're like, yes, this is going to be so much fun because I think that some people assume that conversations, especially right now, are going to be really big and heavy and hard. And some of that is very necessary. But I appreciate that you're also looking forward to it and deciding it's going to be fun at the onset. 
Yes. And these conversations should be fun because they're a learning conversation, right? We're always trying to get a little bit better. So, and you know, the best way to learn is to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you as we get started, I want to do a little check-in. How are you as, you know, you're doing this really significant work right now, which I know is work that you've been doing. How are you in this current cultural revolution in terms of doing the work that you do in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also being a black woman living in this historical moment? Yeah. So I actually did a live video on this not too long ago. I have always touted, I live in the state of Wisconsin. I've always touted that, you know, state of Wisconsin, we don't have very much like outward racism. Like I've lived in Virginia. I've lived in South Carolina. I've seen it. I've experienced a completely different way of living, I guess you can say. And so here in Wisconsin, I grew up here, I live here now. And I always have said, like, I just don't see it as much, right? Like the same kind, you know, like there's obviously biases and prejudices and things like that, but it's not the same. And since everything has gone down since George Floyd and all of the protests and everything, I have seen a distinct change. And it really shows, you know, where some people were already sitting. (laughs) It's just that they feel they have a right now to say something about it. And when I say people, I'm meaning white people, especially white women. (laughs) Yeah, that I've actually noticed a difference is like, like, while I'm like, you know, shopping at the Target kind of thing. So that has been kind of interesting. But it is extremely exhausting, because I do already work with a lot of business owners. And I work with them through their strategy and how they're growing their business and all of that. But now that we're kind of switching gears and looking at how they're going to move forward in the best possible, inclusive, culture-building way, it is a little different. Even It's the same but different kind of work. <laughs> it's exhausting because everybody wants an answer. But unfortunately, every business and every person has a different answer because of where they sit as people, as you know, cultures and everything. So each one has to be very much formulated to them. And so that's been a, an exhausting exhausting experience. <laughs> this week hasn't been so bad, but this is a Monday. So recording this on a Monday. There's still lots of time for the fatigue to set in. Well, I have to thank you so much for being here. I actually heard you speak in another group that I'm in a few couple weeks ago, and you were just so generous with everything that you put into that talk. And I learned a lot and I loved your just energy and thoughtfulness um, and the way you spoke to everyone. And that was also a group for moms. So I thought, oh my gosh, like literally as you were speaking, I was like on your website emailing you. Like, hey, could I hire you to come talk to my group? Like, this is your area of expertise. I want to bring you in. And when you have a moment and you were so quick to respond and say, like, let's do it. And you made time for it right away. And that's just extremely kind and generous of you. So thank you for being here. I know that we're all going to learn a ton today. And I really appreciate you taking the time, especially with things being as hectic as they are right now. So I want you to talk a little bit about your work as a DEI educator. And let's talk about like what some people might not even know what that means. So let's kind of go back to basics here and talk to our listeners about what is a DEI educator? What does DEI stand for? And what can you kind of define or not kind of? Could you define each of the three words in that title so that we have some clarity there? And then I think we can kind of build our foundation to from which we can continue the conversation. Perfect. Because I am a black woman, (laughs) I've been doing DEI education, I literally say my whole entire life, right? Because it's always something where you're like, hey, we could have done that a little better or, you know, to include me better in this conversation, this is what should have happened or we could have done or, you know, something along those lines. So I've been doing this work for a very long time, not just with businesses, but I've been giving talks and working specifically with companies internally, like their HR since 2017. So usually what I do 
do is when I come into a company and we're working on strategy, it's usually on the marketing side. And when you start doing marketing strategy, you start to see holes in their business, right? And marketing incorporates not just, you know, the posts you put out, your blogs and things, but also how are you bringing in new people into your business and how are you going to grow and that kind of stuff. So it always incorporates all of that. Um, And as that was happening, I was seeing that there was businesses that really wanted to market and grow diversely, but they weren't ready. And I say weren't ready because what happens is when you hire someone that is diverse and you're not ready to include them, then what happens is that you brought in diversity for diversity to leave within the you know couple months, you know six months something like that, because they're not going to feel safe and welcome and like this is their home, right? So going back to some of the definitions, the first one is diversity. So in DEI, it's diversity equity and inclusion. So to start with diversity, diversity is basically anything that makes us different. Right now, it's very much based off the color of your skin and your origin, your ethnic background, your cultural background, right? This second, right? But diversity isn't just that. It also is everything else that builds you up as a person, right? So example I like to use there is, you know, I am a black woman. I have not hit 30 yet. So I'm considered a millennial, (laughs) right? So I've got that as a you know, diversity quotient. I was in the military for four years. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm not very empathetic or sympathetic. I'm very like you live in your own, right? I was raised by an all white family, even though I am black, right? So all of those things go into who, what makes me a person, right? And so all of those things are diversity pieces, right? Not just the color of my skin, but also everything else that comes up to it. Um, And actually a story to go along with that is I actually got hired by a company, particularly for the color of my skin. I was their affirmative action checkmark, which I found out after I got hired. But I actually did not fit in because I was coming straight out of the army. And that was one of my first jobs out of the army. And the army, if you don't know anybody in the military, we swear, we smoke, we right? Very, very different than corporate America, right? And so I was coming off of that into corporate America. And I just wasn't finding my footing fitting in wise that way, like personally. But on the flip side, there was the diversity thing when it came to my skin color. So um, that's what diversity is. Basically, anything that makes a person who they are that is different from who you are or who your culture is, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's the first piece. The second piece is equity. Equity is different than equality. Equity and equality are two different words, and I see them getting mixed up continually, and it, like, really irks me, right? The best way to explain that is equality is you're five foot, I'm six foot. We both get a box that's one foot to stand on, so we're equal. We got a one-foot box, even though you're now going to be seven foot and I'm only going to be six foot. We're still at two different planes, okay? Equity is where I get a two-foot box, you get a one-foot box, so we're at the same level, if that math is right, (laughs) right? So we're now at the same level. We're not both getting the same thing because we both don't need the same exact thing. And so what a lot of businesses right now and, you know, people are having a hard time with is like, hey, I treat everyone the same. That's great. That's equality. But really what we're looking for is equity, right? Realizing that some people came from different backgrounds that doesn't make them set up for exactly what you're giving them because you're giving them a one size fits all. And that's not how this works. So that's equity. And then the last one is inclusion. And the easiest way to explain that one is everybody's voice being heard at all times, right? And when it comes to HR and building a business, not everybody's voice 
necessarily has the same weight, right? Like if your target audience is women, what men have to say about your brand and your services isn't necessarily going to weigh as much as if what a woman says, right? So there's that, but you still have to be open and hear that that voice is being said because it matters to how your culture and your audience and your brand comes off and also how people feel inside of it you know, like if they're dealing with you. So diversity is you can have a seat at the table. Inclusion is share your voice at the table and we'll all listen to you. You know, we'll take turns like a round table type situation. So that's what DEI work is, is working through how to deal with different people, how to give them the tools to succeed and how to give them a space where they can speak up if they aren't succeeding or if they need more help or, you know, whatever, how to make sure that they're included then as well. It's a really long explanation, I know, but <laughs> that's the easiest way to explain it. No, it's super helpful though, super helpful. And I think that right now, so many of us want to do better. And I think that, that getting this basic understanding of just even terminology is a stepping stone to doing better. I know there's pieces of this that I have been on my radar for a while in terms of wanting to do better around diversity and inclusion. And even having some focused concentration on this in my business in the last couple of years, there's things I've still completely screwed up and I'm working through trying to do things better now. And I also know that there's other people who are at the very beginning who have not even had these this terminology on their radar, given a lot of thought to how they should start to incorporate, you know, more diversity and be inclusive and in how they do that. And so I think that this is just super valuable. So I appreciate all of that for kind of setting the stage here as we move further into the conversation. So can you another terminology piece here? Can you talk about what it means to be an ally? Because I think we're seeing a lot about that. And um, there's also I know there's another layer to that being an accomplice. And so maybe you could distinguish between those and then we'll dive into how to be a better ally. So I actually haven't heard much about the accomplice thing. So that's be kind of interesting, but I've been working in allyship. So <laughs> very much like you need. Well, yeah. And what I've heard about accomplice that ally is, and I'm not going to do this justice, that ally is like the first level of stepping up, learning, making sure that you're not doing harm. And that accomplice is the next level of like not only being careful to not do harm, but also doing, you know, being really conscientious in your work to be inclusive and kind of more behind the scenes things. And so it's not just like a layer, an initial layer of safety. It's more like a concerted effort to take more specific measures. That was not a great explanation. You can tell that a DEI is not my area of expertise, but I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, 
best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Yeah, I've actually been calling an accomplice, right? I'm calling anti-racist, right? Because then you're actually putting in effort specifically, like, and consciously to make sure that racism is not, and racism, I want to clarify for everybody, is not necessarily a super bad thing. Oh, yes. Tell us this. Right? It can be like, not that bad. Right? It can be not that bad, but you're being specific so that you know that this is where I stand and this is the things I will and will not tolerate. And this is how I want to educate going forward. And this is how I want to call people out when they're being uneducated. <laughs> right? So that's what I've been calling. So I actually have been calling accomplished, I think it's accomplishment. I don't know. I've been, that. I've been calling it specifically anti-racist because it has a little bit more specific ring to it. But to kind of back up allyship, right? So one thing that you're going to see over and over again, and there's some black people, people of color, BIPOC people that they're all saying kind of the same thing, but it's all just a little bit different, right? And so what I want to break it down to for people that really do want to learn and grow and really become an ally and anti-racist, there are four things that your minority community, wherever you are, really truly asking for, and they may be asking for it in different ways, but this is what they're asking for is four things, commitment, stamina, growth, and change, right? And the reason I say it in those four is because each person has their own way of saying, I want you to do, right? Like you could ask three people how to do something and they're going to give you a different task list, even though it's going to accomplish the same thing, right? And so that comes down to how you as a person or you as a business owner want to deal with it. But what really, what it comes down to is those four things. So commitment to make sure you're being educated, educating those around you, making a concerted effort to continue your growth so that when crap hits the fan, you you're not left in the lurch like a lot of people have been over the last few weeks. So that's commitment. Um, stamina means you're going to do it over the next few years, over the next few decades, right? You're not going to do it over two weeks. I'm already seeing that, you know, George Floyd was killed last month and it's been three, four weeks and people are already dying down right? Like it's already kind of like slowly going by the wayside, right? And when it comes to allyship, when it comes to people are like, but I read one book, so I'm good. (laughs) Exactly. But that's the problem is the stamina isn't there. And it's out of everybody, right? It's from the black community. It's from everybody, right? You get tired. It's like working out, right? If you don't do it consistently, you're not going to do it consistently, (laughs) right? So that's the a piece where like you have to just keep at it right and so that's where I talk to a lot of business owners I'm like you need to make a four to six month plan and part of that four to six month plan is at the end you make another four to six month plan on how you're going to continue your growth right and when I that's the third thing is growth right because as you learn things you're going to find that what you did six months ago even though was nice and was inclusive and diverse or however you want to say it, right? Even though that was the right path, you're going to find that, hey, I need to change my path just a little bit to fit all this new information I'm getting, right? And so that's where the growth comes in. And then the change part is really the big piece, right? The big piece is change, right? Because you can be as educated as you want to be, but if you're not actually going to change your behavior or change how you see the world or change how your 
team or your audience or whatever sees the world. And it, it doesn't even have to be an audience. It can be your friends and family, right? Educating them on like, hey, this may not be the best way to say what you're saying, right? That is really the biggest piece, right, is the change, right? Because you have to have stamina in order for change to happen. Going back to the working out example, right, you can work out three days a week for two weeks, but that doesn't mean you're going to lose 50 pounds, right? You have to do it over six months, a year, right? And you're going to see changes happen. And they're going to happen organically because you're putting in the work, right? It's not like it's going to boom, like I'm skinny, (laughs) right? That's not how that works. So those are the four things when it comes to being a good ally that really, the allyship actually comes probably from the two things, the commitment and growth and the anti-racist comes from the stamina and change, right? Because you can commit and grow, but if you don't do it over a long period of time with actual actionable change, then you're just being kind of like, this is a bad way to say it, but you're tokenizing your education to make you look good so that when hot topics like this come up and people are angry and frustrated and they want to see a difference, you're like, hey, hey, I read the book. Like that'll maybe cover the whole for now. But in six months when something bad happens again, which it will happen every six to nine months, something bad happens. The Black Lives Matter community gets mad. And this newest one happened to fire up more than just that community, right? It started to affect other communities. And that'll continue to be the case. And if you don't have that stamina and change where you can actually, it's just apparent, right? You don't have to point to it and be like, I'm not a racist, right? It's just apparent by everything you do, by how you educate your audience, by how you include people, right? That is what's going to keep, and this sounds really bad, but keep you safe from being called a racist, right? Because you actually have that change and that stamina to show like, hey, I do this work every day, every week, every month. Like, you don't have to remind me how bad it is because I know and I make sure that everybody around me also knows. That makes sense. So that's the difference between allyship, which is like, yeah, yeah, I stand with you. But when it becomes you're an accomplice or you're a true anti-racist, you're doing it over time and you are demanding things be different. That was really, really helpful. And I love the one thing that really stood out to me was the growth piece and the reassessment every handful of months, because this is something that I've learned about myself is that what I knew six months ago wasn't enough. And there's so many opportunities to learn right now. So I'm very much seeing that this, I mean, this speaks to all your points, but I'm seeing this need for this long-term commitment for sure. And also having a greater understanding around the long-term commitment requires a constant discernment around your own growth to recognize like, oh, six months ago, I thought this or thought, you know, did things this way. And now I know more and can do better. So now I'm doing things this way. And that that's going to look different six months from now and a year from now. And so to be constantly Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for that learning so that you can continue the process, because this is like 400 years of unlearning. And we can't do that in a week with reading one book. No, and it is generational, right? And I talk to this a lot when I talk to moms, you know, if your mom, if you think about this way, if your grandma spanked your mom and your mom spanked you, you naturally think, okay, yeah, I want to, if they're really naughty, they're going to get a spanking, right? And so if you want to change the way you parent, you have to be really intentional about it, right? And it's going to take a long period of time to make that change, right? And you're also going to be ingesting and consuming parenting content, right? That puts you in the direction of where you want to go, right? How you want to raise your kid, 
you're not going to read a book on, you know, how to spank your child correctly when you don't want to do it that way, right? So <laughs> that's one thing I do want to say is as you bring up the education, right, and you're going to continue to educate yourself. And that's something that you do if you're serious about anything, right? If you're serious about raising your children, how you want them raised, if you're serious about working out correctly, if you're serious about, you know, how to build a website for your business, and it doesn't matter. If you're serious about it, you're going to do the education and you're going to keep doing the education as things pop up, right? But when you think about your education, make sure you're pulling from education that actually is going to help you and help the minority community and not hinder. For example, there is a really big book right now. It's called White Fragility. I think everybody has heard of it at this point because everyone's like, you should read this, right? If you do the research behind White Fragility, the authoress is white and she does not give back any of her profits of her book that she's making on how to be like not racist to the minority community, right? <laughs> and she's not giving any of her profits back. She's literally keeping it all herself. So, you know, you have to think about it in full circle, right? You're giving money to a woman that doesn't really want to, she wants to profit off of black people when she is a black, <laughs> right. but yet she's teaching about how not to profit, right? So think about that when you're doing your education. Is it full circle? Is it actually doing what I'm trying to do because I'm saying I'm doing it? Does that make sense? Like it's a really circular education. So I wanted to point that out because I heard you say education. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring this up because it's really, really no, that's super helpful. And I think that example is really, really important. And that's actually an example I've seen used a lot lately. Um, that very specific example around that exact book around white, white fragility. And I think that that is really important. And that even it's even come up here. I'm here in Seattle and it's come up even in our protests around like if you're going to choose to attend a protest, are you choosing to attend an event, a protest that's organized by middle class white people? Or are you choosing to attend a protest? Like, for example, we went to one last weekend that was run by black youth in a different part of the city. And we went over there for that because that's who we wanted to support. And so this piece around education is like pushing yourself to do a little bit of a deeper dive to take responsibility for the education that you really want to learn through and the versus just what you see everyone sharing on Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to back up something that you brought up right when you started talking about your four steps to being a better ally that I think is so important. And I should have started with this. You mentioned racism and just the term around being racist and having, when I talk about this and correct me if I'm wrong for sure, but I'll talk about like, you know, having racism within us. I think that we, people are often quick to anger when we say that, you know, like all white people to some degree or another are racist. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk about racism, like the way I've been explaining it and I could be doing it totally wrong. So correct me anywhere that you need to, but using racism as a neutral factual term versus like this subjective opinion of someone's behavior. Okay, so racism straight out of the dictionary is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a people on the basis of being racially or ethnically different. Typically, it's a, a minority or a marginalized community, right? So that's like the definition straight out of the dictionary. But to me, when you're trying to educate yourself and you're trying to be better, it doesn't encompass everything. And the reason is, is because every single person, white and black, can do better. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? What 
now we're seeing is the ask that because we are all raised how we're raised and the way we see the world is based off of that and then based off of all of our experiences throughout our life, right? That's called your worldview. For example, like when your seven-year-old finally figures out that like when you say no, you actually mean no and they like have like a little breakdown tantrum, right? You shattered their worldview, (laughs) right? Because they thought that they could finesse the situation to the point where you would have said yes, right? So that is the first really big point is realizing that literally every human being alive today has a worldview and it's completely separate from the next person over. It can be completely different from siblings, from parents, right? Because their life has manifested differently. Okay. So that's the first. And right now in America specifically in other countries as well, um, societally, our worldview is that being white is the norm. And so being raised white, I understand some of these norms, right? I get it because I will, that's just how I was raised, right? And so you see the world in a figure, like not rose-colored, but white-colored glasses, right? Versus if you were raised by, for example, a single mother and your Latina, right? You're going to see the world through Latina glasses, right? And, you know, not having a father figure glasses, right? So right now in America, the norm is to see things through white glasses. And that can be a whole bunch of different stuff, right? For example, you know, all the stereotypes that go along with being black, right? Black women are loud. Black women are sassy. Black women will take their earrings off to fight you. You know, all of these things that kind of come with, and you see them in movies, and you see them in TV shows, and a lot of people have heard their friends say something along those lines, right? Those are because in white culture, that's not a norm, right? That's outside of the norm. So when you go to do this education and this work, your worldview starts to shift and open up and broaden. And you start to broaden your worldview to see that you internally, naturally, as a human, everybody does, has biases. And so the way I explain racism myself is when you have unchecked bias in a position of power, Okay, so, for example, maybe your bias is that you like coffee over tea. Right. And if you hear someone go on a whole rant on how tea is the best drink ever, you're going to internally, not usually externally, but inside of your mind, you're going to have like this little conversation with yourself. where like, they're wrong. Right. And it just stops there. Right. And so what happens is as you're doing this work, you're going to find these biases that you have internally and you have these conversations. And sometimes they come out in your decisions. And when they come out in your decisions, you don't check them and go, hey, wait, 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 I'm saying coffee's better, so I'm going to have coffee at this meeting. But to be inclusive, I know that that person said they do not drink coffee, they hate coffee, coffee's nasty, they only drink tea, right? And so now you're opening your worldview up to listen to that what other person had to say, so that when you make the decision of what you're going to have at this meeting, you also include a pitcher of hot water and some tea bags, right? Because that is the difference between you and them. And so when you don't do that, that's where racism sits in. I don't care what anybody else is to say. What I think is coffee's best. And so we're going to have coffee and only coffee. (laughs) You can take a hike if you don't like it, right? So that's where I talk about racism as unchecked bias. And like when you talk about it in the coffee and tea analogy, it doesn't seem that bad. It seems like it's kind of a jerk move. But it's not that bad. It's just coffee and tea. Fine. They'll drink some water and, you know, get through the meeting and they can go to tea afterward. Right. But when it comes to stuff that naturally people have biases, right. So when it comes to stuff that has to do with race or sexuality or, you know, cultural backgrounds, that's where it starts 
marginalizing people. And when it marginalizes people, you shut down the conversation and it creates barriers for those people that are marginalized to climb so that they can have the same exact thing that everybody else has. That's a really long explanation again, and I apologize, but that's how I explain racism. I'm loving your explanations. Do not apologize for them at all. I talk a lot, but at the same time, I full circle it, I hope, (laughs) right? So that's how I like to explain racism because it's not always somebody getting hung or somebody getting shot or somebody getting lynched or it's not always like this really, really, really bad stuff. It can be like really simple stuff that if you would just like listen to what they said, internalized it, realized that, yeah, okay, my worldview looks at it this way, but their worldview looks at it this way. I'm going to make a, you know, Venn diagram and do the best of the middle that I can, right? That's where you start making that shift. And that's where that change happens, where you start opening up your business, your culture, the people around you to be more inclusive and just ideally better people, right? Because the more you know, the more you know, (laughs) and the better you can do. So that's how I like to talk about racism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily overt. It's not necessarily intentional. And it's not necessarily conscious. Exactly. This is where I think that, yeah, and this actually leads right into my next question. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Bree. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Bree, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. There's a lot of really well-intentioned, liberal-leaning white women like myself who I think are known to be doing a lot of damage right now. And so can you talk, because I know that this incorporates a lot of our listenership, can you talk specifically about how progressive white women are actually doing a lot of harm, even though we would classify ourselves as those who are so thoughtful and intentional and nice and kind and inclusive and like all of the right words and we're still totally messing things up. 
That's totally fine. So this is like when you're raising kids, right? You tell your kids don't do that. They don't do it, but they do something similar and they, you know, they do it badly and then they get in trouble and like it's a learning experience, right? You're always going to make mistakes. And that's just part of growing, right? Growing up, growing to be a better person, opening a worldview. It's just part of growing, right? It's growing pains, right? And that's totally fine. And overall, um, uh, the black community, if you apologize and be like, yo, I was so wrong, like I didn't know or I'm still working on it or I said it this way and I did not mean it that way and it's I'm so sorry right and literally and we teach our kids this the best form of apology is literally just the I'm sorry right none of this extra excuse stuff that comes after it like just the I'm so sorry I will do better next time like that's the best kind of apology right because it's sincere it shows that you need to grow you need to learn and you're willing to do so and you're not adding any extra excuses so that's the first recommendation I have is because everyone's going to make mistakes. It's just part of the deal. But when you start adding those excuses of why you made said mistake, no one cares. And it's too much, right? Just say, I'm sorry. And I'm going to do better. And you move on and you actually do better. And you actually are sorry. And you actually do the work, right? So that's my first recommendation. My second thing is I have noticed this a lot with a lot of my liberal white women friends is they're apologizing for being white. Mm. Now, I do not want to, nor will I ever apologize for being black. It's just, I was born this way. Like I literally had no choice, right? You guys literally had no choice being white, right? And so there's no reason to apologize for being white. It's who you are. It's just a fact, right? What you do need to apologize for is being wrong. And sometimes you need to apologize a bunch because you're wrong a bunch and that's okay but you need to know that right so you do not have to apologize for being white and when you start apologizing for being white that's when you start tokenizing people i've been watching this over the last three weeks it's exactly what's happening i'm so sorry for being white so i'm gonna start showcasing only bipoc business owners right and you're like dude you weren't showcasing them in i don't know may or april but now all of a sudden in june you're gonna start showcasing only minority groups no that's not how this works right? You're not actually doing the work. You are fronting and you're making tokens out of the people that you know, okay? So that's where, you know, if you start apologizing for being white, you way overdo it to the point where now you're being racist in the sense of like, you've got a bias going too far the other way, (laughs) right? You're not actually being equitable and going, hey, hey, like, I know I need to do the work and it's an internal work. Unfortunately, being an ally and anti-racist is an internal work. It's not an external work, right? where it starts becoming an external work is where you're actually affecting change and you're educating people. But a lot of people aren't there yet. You can't educate on something that you have not educated yourself on and done the internal work. And the internal work is the part that actually really sucks. And it's the part a lot of people are skipping over because they're like, I don't want, I'm good. I'm not racist. I'm good. Skipping over that. Moving on. (laughs) Right. And it's actually the work that to be doing. I so agree. And something that I am seeing, and also I'll say my own temptation is to like, you know, take a list of resources and be like, I'm going to read these as fast as I can. And I'm going to watch the videos this week and do all these things at once. And I feel like with that sense of urgency, there's a lot of bypassing of the internal work that you just pointed out. And to your point, that is absolutely the uncomfortable part. And so 
what I've been trying to do in the last couple of weeks, and I will say it's been extremely uncomfortable, but is to take time and like sit with a resource and really take the time to be quiet and process it rather than like just quickly move into the next thing. And as like, I think high achiever white women, we want to like check all the boxes and be like, yep, yep, yep. I did that. And I want an A on the report card. And to really sit and internalize something, which is much more challenging and uncomfortable is actually what doing the work looks like. And that's also what lends itself to all of your four points around commitment, stamina, growth, and change. Yeah. If you're having a hard time, think of it as cramming for a test. We've all done it. I mean, I did it way more once, right? And you cram for a test, you pass your test, maybe not flying colors, but you get through it. And then three weeks later, you're like, oh shit, (laughs) I don't remember any of that. Right. Couldn't take that test again if I had to. Yeah, I know the general, what it was kind of about, but I don't know it, right? So that's kind of what a lot of white women, especially if you're liberal leaning, right? Because if you're more conservative, you're you're on a whole different level and path of education, right? What they're doing is they're cramming for a test that they're trying to take right now, but really what they need to be doing is educating themselves because the test is actually going to be in like nine months or a year when something like this happens again, and it will happen again on Unfortunately, that's just how it's going to be. And that's when the real test comes, because this time people are getting forgiven and okay, yeah, you're learning whatever, right? Right. Because this is the first time a lot of people outside of the minority communities have felt it, truly felt it. And that's fine. This is the first time you're feeling it. Welcome to the club. But your test is in like a year. And if you're not ready for that, that's when it's going to really become a true issue. And I am prophesying right here. I'm telling you right now, I'm prophesying, but I've been watching it happen for years. And it's not just about this stuff, right? It's about everything that comes into business strategy and how people are growing and changing the world, changing, right? So that's something you need to look at is if you're a goal and test oriented person, your test is in like nine to 18 months, depending. And you need to be ready for that. Right now, you don't necessarily need to be ready for the test, right? And the thing is, is the test will just keep happening. And then the test will become not maybe such a big thing, but it'll become little things. Like you seeing your family member, I don't know why they're saying this, this, and this, and you're going to be able to educate them. And that's your quizzes, right? And those are more important than the big tests because your quizzes are what's going to actually change the people around you. And once you educate the people around, worldviews open up, those people are going to educate everybody around them and their worldviews are going to open up and so on. And that's how you actually affect systematic generational change, right? Because it's great that you and I are enlightened and we're like, hey, this is not good stuff, right? This is not how I think the world should go, right? But what makes the difference is that when everybody thinks that and not everybody is there yet, and then if not everybody is there, we're never going to see actual change. Right. That's my piece there. (laughs) Thank you. That's super, super helpful. So can you talk about how we can be better allies in the workplace? So my community is, you know, we have moms who have their own businesses. We have moms who are working kind of traditional nine to five jobs. And then we have moms who are working from home in various capacities. Um, So can you talk about being better allies in the workplace right now where we are for those of us, you know, for people who are actually going into the workplace and you have black coworkers and people of color who are living through all of this and, you know, probably just full of so much emotion and you want to go in and you want to be supportive and you want to be helpful. And also you don't want to like go in and be that white lady that's making all the mistakes and making it worse for them. (laughs) 
Yeah. So the way I'm explaining this particular part of history right now, and the the ripple effect and the feeling through all of society is marginalized communities right now are feeling a trauma that they felt their whole life, but it's really coming to the surface. And so if someone is assaulted, if they lose someone, if they're in a really bad car crash, even right, you realize that they're going to be going through some stuff. Right. And that's the same kind of feeling that's going on right now is people are going through some stuff. Some people are dealing with it better than others. For example, I deal with it a lot better. I end up like putting myself into educating people and, you know, trying to make, you know, the business community a little bit better space. Right. But some people don't have it like that and or they are not built to be a teacher like that or whatever. Right. So you have to realize that they're each person will deal with trauma in their own way. So one question I get asked literally every single live training I do is what should we be saying and I'm like nothing right there's nothing worse when you lose a loved one every single person brings it right back up I'm sorry for your loss like you're like doing okay for the day and somebody comes up to you and you're like I'm so sorry for your loss and you're like well crap now I'm back in that mindset Yeah. So, right, you're like, I wasn't thinking about it, and now you just brought it up again, right? So leave them be and take the time to educate yourself. I cannot stress this enough. Educate. You go to college for a degree over four years. It's not a six. Like, you don't get your bachelor's in six months. You get your bachelor's over four, maybe five, sometimes six if you're doing it. But years, right? This is not even a bachelor's. This is a change in how you are viewing the world, right? You're taking off the white glasses and you're trying to open it up so they're a little less foggy, right? So it's going to take a long time. It's a lot of internal work. Internal work takes time, right? You don't go to your therapist, tell her the story of whatever trauma you had and she's like, okay, yep, you're fixed. Like that's not how this works, right? Mm -hmm. So give your, not just black or African-American, right? Everybody that's in the minority, just give them some space, right? Because they're Feeling a trauma. Okay. So that's my first step. The second step is do the education, do the work, create yourself a plan, right? And invite people around you to be part of that plan, right? If you're going to read three books over the next four or five months, right? These are the books you did research on. They're, you know, written by black people or they're giving back, you know, proceeds to black causes, whatever it is. You've done the research. You're like, these are the books that I want to read or listen to, right? Invite other people in your office space to be part of that book, right? You can take one Wednesday if over lunch and go to Panera Bread and talk about the last two chapters you read in the book. You guys have that time. I know you do. It's 30 minutes. And you can do that and you can bring people that are in your workspace in on the education too so they can continue to be better. And that is what I would say is in your workspace, even if you're not a manager or in charge of people or anything like that, right? You can still pull in and be like, hey, manager person, would you like to read these books with me? I I did the research. These are the books that I think will really help educate us on how to be the best inclusive and equitable, you know, place to work. Would you like to be part of, you know, a book club or, you know, whatever you're going to do and bring those people in with you. Because if you're bringing people along, they really don't have any other choice but to educate themselves. And then they can make their own educated decision on if they want to actually be part of change and part of growth, or if they're just going to say, okay, now I know, 
right? And they're hands off, right? And those are, that's fine too, but you did your job of doing the work to educate others while you educate yourself. And that's one thing that I'm saying in workplaces, especially if they're not very diverse when it comes to ethnic and cultural backgrounds, that's one thing you can do so that when you do finally get somebody that is diverse, you're a little bit more prepared for it and you don't have to ask, and it sounds really mean, but you don't have to ask the stupid questions. And when I say stupid questions, the stuff that you could have totally Googled and did not have to message me on Facebook about. Like, do I need to explain it to you again? Like, why didn't you Google it? Like, I can Google the definition of racism, can't you? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to ask those stupid questions that you could have Googled. And that's when I say that's a stupid question because there's a lot of questions that are Googleable. You ask the more informed questions. And the, the a really good story for this is I explained the trauma that people were going through to a friend. Um, and I was like, you know, it does not, it's not really hitting me traumatically. And, you know, this sounds really mean, but I, I don't know the Floyd family. I live like six hours from Minneapolis, but I mean, I don't know anybody, right? I was like, I feel bad for them, but I, it's not hitting me like that. Like the trauma isn't hitting me like that. What it's hitting me is like how I'm living my life and I explain this whole story. And, and he looked at me and instead of being like, oh, that sucks or, you know, that really stinks or, you know, something along those lines that most people say when they're, you're done listening to a crappy story, they looked at me and said, well, how do you feel after say, telling me that? And it kind of took me back because it meant that they had done the work to educate themselves on looking at their biases and, you know, how they see things. But they were looking to be a inclusive support system for me on how I was dealing with it. And it just really hit me because I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to start including this story. (laughs) He was like, really? I was like. That was like one of the best responses I've ever gotten, right? Like, cause you know, you get the sorries and you get this, that sucks and you get the, those kind of things, but those don't make a difference. Those don't help fill in the hole. Those pull a rug back over the hole. Like, okay, cool. Now I know, <laughs> you know? And so that is where I say you can start asking better questions, right? You're not asking stupid questions. You're asking better questions in a way that's not like, okay, I know you're black. So how can I help you? That's not that to me, that's not a very helpful question, right? Because you're leaving out all the other minorities, you know, marginalized people. I'm heterosexual. I'm straight, right? So I can't speak for someone that's black and gay. So it was just a really like just thought provoking question for me that drove home the education piece, at least for me, of the education was done. The education was there. They understood, but they wanted to be there for me specifically as someone in my life. Yeah, I love that. That's really helpful. And that's what you can do as an ally in the workplace. You can be there for them specifically as someone in their life, as someone in their workplace, versus trying to fix the whole problem. Because no one's going to fix the whole problem, right? But they can fix the relationships they have and make those the best they possibly can. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. And I also appreciate you pointing out that like how you're experiencing things right now is very unique to you and that every Black person is experiencing things in their own unique way. And that there's not like one way. So there's not one way that black people are experiencing this moment right now. There's also not one way that black educators are teaching around this right now. There's like, there's all these layers of like things not being monolithic. And I think that sometimes white people make assumptions about, well, 
all black people think this or experience it this way or teach it this way or whatever. And what I'm seeing and watching a lot of educators across this field right now is I'm seeing how things are taught in so many different ways. And it's been really, really interesting to see. And I think that that's really, it's really important for us to recognize that there's a lot of different opinions and thoughts and personalities and experiences and to be listening and honoring all of them is really important. Yeah, I say this at the beginning of every single training, like town hall training workshop I do. You know, I am black. I was raised by a white family, but I do not speak for all black people and people of color, right? What I'm doing is seeking to educate you so you can move to stand up in your own way, in your own sphere of influence, right? I'm not trying to tell you how everyone's experiencing this or everyone thinks, right? And the other thing I also say is if we're taking live questions, right, in a training, I'm like, I've got some rules. And one of the rules is absolutely no absolutes, <laughs> right? So for example, all white people all are, all cops are, black people, including everybody, need to, right? That's not helping the situation, right? It's, if you have more than one child, you're like, yeah, you know, my little girl does it this way, my little boy does it this way, my other little boy does it this way, right? And you know each child has their own way of doing things, right? And so if you said, all my kids do it this way, you're lying. That's basically <laughs> what you're doing, right? Because you know each personality needs a different level of whatever, right? And so when you start using absolutes, you start closing off looking for everything else, right? Going back to the coffee one, right? Everybody likes coffee. doesn't matter. That's what I'm having at the meeting. Okay. But if you would have actually listened and not done the absolute, you would have noticed that other people like orange juice or tea or whatever at their morning meeting, right? So absolutes kill conversation, period. And so if you can refrain from using absolutes or phrases that imply everyone, right? You start to see that it opens up conversations a little bit easier. And you don't make as many mistakes when talking about DEI, because you're not saying everyone does this. No, not every white person is a racist. Not every white person is part of the KKK. White people that are racist, like super, yes. Are there white people that are part of the KKK still to this day? Totally, right? But not every white person has to bear that cross, right? They're not all bad, right? There are plenty of really nice people that want to do better, right? So when you start using absolutes, you start creating one, animosity, and you create a fight, right? And two, you shut down any conversation that could have been there. Oh, super helpful. Okay, I want to be respectful of your time. This has been amazing, Jocelyn. I so appreciate this. I'm hoping that there was lots of light bulb moments for how my listeners can do better moving forward and really embrace your four steps to being a better ally around commitment and stamina and growth and change. The last thing I would like you to share is how do you support people and business owners specifically? I want you to like promote all of your things so that people can go connect with you and learn from you and you know invest in your services. I know you have a mastermind program coming up and if you want to share that as well, I think that would be appropriate, which I didn't check with you in advance. So, you know, just tell me if it's not, but I know that I am very interested in your mastermind program. So um, go ahead and tell us where we can find you and how people can work with you if they want to learn more. Yeah, I actually have a specific website for people that are ready to really make those the commitment to that four things commitment, growth, stamina and change, right? And it's called stand in your bias stand in your you will going back to the beginning of this episode, we talked about some definitions, if you are still unclear, and you want a little bit more clarity on how some of these definitions work, we have a glossary stand in your slash glossary. And that is literally as many terms as I've explained slash think that you should know 
<laughs> it's like kind of a book. So don't feel bad if you don't get through it all. But all the terms are there. And if they're not, send me an email and I will make sure I add it. But that's the first place I really want you to start. Um, we have full lists of books and podcasts that you can go and buy and or listen to that I recommend specifically that are written by black authors and or white authors that really do want to see the marginalized minority communities prosper. So that's another place you can, but once you get to the website, you're going to see all kinds of fun stuff. You're going to get little click happy, totally fine. Um, If you are a business owner and want to really affect change, not only inside of your internal culture with your team, if you have one, but also with your audience, we do have a mastermind coming up and it's a six month mastermind (laughs) and it's built to help you really do that internal work, but also then take the work that you did and turn it inside out so that your audience can learn, your team can learn. And like I said, when something else happens like this, which it's going to happen, right? Your test is in anywhere between nine and 18 months from now. Don't even have to take the test, right? Because you did the work. And it's just 100% apparent to everyone around you where you stand, why you stand there, how you're educating continually on this. And so you're just really, really prepped as a business. At the same time, you're ready to have a diverse team and you're not going to hire diversity and have diversity leave in a matter of months because you're just not there yet. So I do have a mastermind coming up, but that is where you can find everything is standinyourbias.com. Most of it is 100% free. It's there for you to use, become better and really commit. So that's where you can find stuff. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, so much goodness. And yeah, I actually, I loved going through your site and looking at all of the resources that you shared and all the things that you were linked to. And that's how I found out about your mastermind program. And you had on there, like, if you're interested, shoot me an email here. And I was like, interested (laughs) right now. Um, So yeah, you're doing just really supportive work right now. And I am so grateful. I think that there, you know, what you're doing is really generous. And it comes, I know, at a time when your energy is probably is divided between what you do personally and professionally. So I'm so grateful that you took the time to be here today and support this community and educate this community. And I am definitely looking forward to doing some more work, you and I moving forward. Awesome. Yeah, come from a place of love and education and everything else will follow. That's what I like to say. Oh, I love it. So I am so grateful for you having me on. I absolutely love teaching about this topic because one, I like to talk, but two, I think it's really, really important and it just betters everything, not just the way you raise your kids, not just your business, not just your relationships, right? It's, it's an all-encompassing thing that makes everything better because as you start to see your biases, you're going to find that you change a lot more than just the DEI stuff you're doing. It just opens up your worldview a lot. And I, I really love seeing that happen for people. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.